by the lake. down onto a, a wooded spit of land that juts out into the into the lake here. It's been watching a duck and two two ducklings. Watching some sand martins going over the water. I've been thinking a little bit about. students and teachers and what those things mean from a from a Buddhist perspective or at least my understanding of it Something that came up in the course of my kind of cogitating. There's a line from the scriptures which I've found really useful over the years, and I, I can't actually remember where it's from, and maybe somebody can point me to it. But it's a line that says, Only a Buddha helped by a Buddha can understand this. Something like that. And as somebody that for a large chunk of my life, maybe maybe all of my life, has been trying to understand things, I always found that, I always found that line had a lot of impact on me in that in some ways it's a, a line of despair for somebody like me. Where I had a, a sort of line of thinking which said that in order to master something you had to understand it completely. To me, that implied some kind of personal knowledge, personal understanding. And here was this line saying, basically, even a Buddha can't understand this on their own. Even a Buddha needs another Buddha 
to understand this. And like so many of these moments really when you read something which is a bit of a needle scratch or a, a gear grinding moment when you realize that your habitual way of doing things habitual way of being is actually not in touch with the reality of things I suppose the question is well how do we go forward I think once I got over the shock of realizing that my small rather narrow wish to have a personal understanding once I began to see that as not being possible I mean in a sense it was like a bomb being dropped on my little <laughs> my little structure of ideas once you start to let go of that Suddenly, a broader truth can start to appear, I think. And I think with most of these things, most of these teachings, which can at, can at first seem a little opaque, and I appreciate that many of you may be listening to this saying, there's nothing opaque about this at all. <laughs> so, that's great. But for me, it seemed a bit opaque at the beginning. But to, to open up to that, to open, to open up the possibility, actually, that in order to, to understand the teaching of the Buddhas, you actually have to allow yourself to be what you are, which is not this small mind. And in doing so, you can be helped by the Buddha. It's like there's a externally invisible, but internally quite profound rearrangement of, of things in that a small delusion can be let go of and a much deeper, greater, wider, broader, warmer and more real reality can 
start to come in. Part of it is also difficult in that that small mind, that attitude that says, oh, I, I need to understand in order to, I don't know what, be a good Buddhist or be enlightened or something, I don't know, feel good about myself maybe. basically a feeling of insufficiency, a feeling of needing something, a feeling that I don't have something now but I will if I make enough effort. Whereas actually being a Buddha helped by a Buddha hard to see any insufficiency there at all. So part of the process, I think, is actually giving ourselves permission, being kind enough to ourselves to let go of old habits, old patterns, things we thought that were truly necessary, but in fact are not. Once again, it leads to a kind of relaxation. And I say this as someone who's tended, as I've said before, to try too hard. For me, it leads to a relaxation. To others, it may lead to a galvanization. They might be energized and motivated. For me, it was more gentle recognition some ways of what is already there in fact of what is already there it doesn't need to be in some ways at all and I think part of the reason why it's easy to get caught up in that small mind and not recognise our true situation, which is being a Buddha helped by a Buddha. Is that we have ideas about ourselves, conceptions of ourselves, an idea of what is imperfect in the world, an idea of how things should be, an idea of how things are now, and an ability to compare the two and be dissatisfied. And I think all of those things are profoundly useful if we can't see 
changes we need to make in day-to-day -day life, then it seems like a rather dull life in some ways, even if it's, even if it's just washing the sheets, mowing the lawn if you have one. I think this kind of double nature, this Buddha helped by a Buddha aspect, includes that. I think what part of what the Buddha that's being helped is being helped with is finding a way through and with this idea of a separate self, this recognition of our humanity. And I think once once we're able to to reduce our struggle with accepting ourselves, with accepting our full, whole humanity. Then I think what we've had intimations of, what we've had dimly understood feelings of, maybe strong feelings, that becomes much clearer. There's a, an image that I've carried around for quite a long time I haven't used in a talk or anything because I've been waiting for the right moment and I think this is probably the wrong moment <laughs> but I'm going to use it anyway and it's the image of um, when I was a kid I used to be able to buy these little stick-on um, car dashboard things complete with steering wheel and indicators and a little horn in the middle and uh, they were made to be attached either to the to the back of the front seat or to I guess the passenger side dashboard of a car. And the idea was that your kid would would sit there and basically play at driving the car. I have vague recollections of maybe doing this, but very vague recollections. It's hard to know whether I'm filling in the filling in the memory about this this toy because you can kind of imagine almost, a, almost as a comedy situation that somebody grows up with one of these toys and they never work out and nobody ever points out but actually this stuff isn't 
in fact connected to the mechanisms of the car. And, uh, and as long as they keep steering and as long as they keep tooting their horn and using the indicators, well, the car seems to be going just fine. It's all working great. Then I guess at some point maybe maybe the person driving the car actually goes somewhere else. Things change and suddenly this person is now left bewildered. By the fact that all these things that they thought were efficacious and they kind of worked out in their mind what things did what and how suddenly that starts to look wrong and ridiculous even scary because suddenly they're sitting in a car hurtling down the road and they realize they actually don't have any control <laughs> so So it's a rather elaborate metaphor, but I think not being kidded, not being fooled by the extent to which we have control over our lives, which is mixed and important, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we have no control. We have significant control in our lives, but I think the context is much broader. So anyway, probably bad metaphor. Sorry about that. <laughs> so yes, I started off mentioning about teacher and people. And I'm very lucky. As I said last time, I'm very lucky with my teachers, I think. And I think part of realising the quality of one's teachers is actually persevering. Keeping going. So you get through the mechanical phase of learning get through your ABCs and then if you keep going then you can really start to apply your learning and then of course you know enough to get into trouble so you'll no doubt make many messes Hopefully, one learns from those mistakes, sees value, thinks deeply on this stuff, and keeps going.
actually, although we should never forget and neglect the reality and importance of the student-teacher relationship, because I think it's actually incredibly important always, I think what may change is our understanding of what it is to be a teacher and what it is to be a student. I think one of the characteristics of a good teacher, and it's one that's easily overlooked, is that they are one of the people who didn't give up. They kept going. And it's easy to have fixed ideas about what a teacher is. who they are, as if a teacher is some kind of fixed thing and a student is some kind of fixed thing. And those ideas can be incredibly useful, particularly in the beginning when actually you do need to do the, the musical scales or the times tables, the ABCs. Later on, I think there comes a, a very deep appreciation of just what those people have done in order to be in a position to teach and also being willing to teach. And I think there comes a point maybe many points when you realise that their efforts in their training and your efforts in your training are not separate things. Let's not take our teachers for granted. Let's not diminish them by having any fixed small idea of what a teacher is. And let's not neglect our training by declaring oneself not a student. I think we should always be a student. I can't imagine not being a student. But at the same time recognise that there's something limitless about what we are doing.
so let's deeply recognize that in order to practice to order, in order to see what's going on we need to be a Buddha helped by a Buddha And that's true every moment. So with thoughts of great gratitude to my teachers, and a resolve to, to dwell in the heart of that which is that which they teach that which is and with an eye on the clock it seems I've nearly hit half an hour I think I should finish So have a really good day and uh, stay well, take care.